Welcome to the Connect Community Podcast, recorded live in Stamford, Connecticut. We're so glad to have you with us today. If you're ever in our area, come see us in person. We hope today's message inspires you and helps you live better. Part three of our series, Prodigal. And uh, as I said, we're, we're spending the month of February uh, talking about this parable that really Jesus shared when he was criticized. He was criticized by religious leaders of that day, of that era, uh, of that time, because they saw Jesus hanging out with sinners. They saw Jesus spending time with people who were not considered worthy of a religious person or a prophet's companion. And Jesus not only spent time with them, he sought a relationship with them. He made them their, his disciples. And the, the religious leaders of that time were dumbfounded by the fact that Jesus would do such a thing. So Jesus began to uh, explain through this parable what is God's heart for mankind, for people. And so we've been exploring it in the past two, three weeks, uh, and now today is the third message. And I believe that this is, is a message, a, a, a parable, a scripture uh, that all of us can relate to. Every single one of us, even today, 2,000 years later. Um, and uh, because at some point, we all wrestle with the things that Jesus presented in this parable. Uh, on the first week, we talked about leaving, right? We all wrestle with this idea of leaving. We all want to, at some point, we want to drop everything and leave it all. And, uh, and, and just throw caution to the wind. We have these urges from time to time. And uh, well, another thing that we learn from this, this parable that we know is that God has restoration and he has redemption for every child who has lost their way and decides to turn to him. Every child who has lost their way and decides to turn to the Lord, God has restoration and redemption for that person. That's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing how gracious God is shown to be in this parable and how gracious God is in life. Because God's goodness and generosity is really extravagant. Don't you believe? Amen. Some of you have experienced this extravagant love and care that God has for people. Just a sense of peace and forgiveness and restoration when you know you don't deserve it. And so God's love is immense. It's big, and it sometimes can be a tinty bit annoying. You don't think so? You don't find God's generosity sometimes a little bit annoying? Like, really, God, her? Like, you blessed her? Like, really, God, him? I don't know if you know what he's done. What he said. Like, how do you feel when somebody gets what they don't deserve? While at the same time, you don't get what you deserve, or at least what you think you deserve. See, it sounds like semantics, but there's a big difference between getting what you don't deserve and not getting what you deserve. Big difference. Getting what you don't deserve means you were blessed in a way that you don't deserve. And not getting what you deserve means you really think you deserve it, but it didn't happen. 
I'll explain it this way. Let's say there's Sally and Mary, right? And, and Sally, Sally is a good worker. Sally is exemplary. Sally is, is hardworking. She stays late. She gives above and beyond. And she's serious about following the rules. You can't break a rule while Sally is around because she will straighten you up. In fact, Sally is so good, she's a little annoyingly strict on doing the right thing. But you know, you know that it's, 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 it's how people should act. So you give her credit. Mary, on the other hand, Mary, Mary is a social butterfly. She's not on time all the time. She doesn't always end her work by the deadline, doesn't always hand it in. Mary is a little bit of, you know, a, she, she's a, she likes to flatter people. She gets her way. She asks for, for, asks for things that she shouldn't ask for. She's a little entitled. But because she has a way with people, Mary can flatter. And she knows that she has that talent. So even though she's not the best worker and she messes up from time to time, Mary puts a smile on your face. And so Mary is somebody that everybody likes to work with. And Sally and Mary are co-workers. If you want your work to be done right, you go to Sally. If you want to go, for, you go out for coffee, you go to Mary. And now Sally and Mary are up for a promotion. Who do you think should get the promotion? Everybody's saying things. Sally, right? Sally is competent. But what if Mary got promoted? It's great if you're Mary. But what if you're Sally? See, it's a hallmark of a follower of Christ that you will get what you don't deserve. It's a hallmark of a believer to get what you don't deserve. You get the peace you don't deserve. You get the joy you don't deserve. You get the forgiveness you don't deserve. You get the redemption you don't deserve. You get the good breaks and the blessings that you don't deserve. God offers that to you by His grace. But there will be times in your walk with God when someone right next to you will get that thing you were praying for and you are asking the Lord and you will feel like Sally. Lord, did you pass me up? You feel like maybe God has forgotten about you and, and your faith and devotion were not worth much. You feel tempted to be jealous. You feel tempted to be discouraged. You feel like it's not fair. And the, par the parable of the prodigal son gives us some answers for those moments when life is not fair. When we feel like we've been passed up. And if you're not familiar with the parable Jesus shared, maybe this is your first time during this series, or maybe you're not familiar with the Bible I encourage you to go back and listen to part one and two, but I'm going to give you a short summary of the parable. The parable starts with Jesus sharing about a father who had two sons. And this man was rich. He had resources. He was, he was successful. 
And the younger son, meaning the less mature son, came to his father and he asked for his share of the inheritance. Basically, he was like Mary, right? He asked for his share of the inheritance. And that was not only unusual uh, to, to happen in those days as it is in today, but it was incredibly insulting. Because this younger son was communicating to his father, not only that he was greedy for his father's possessions, not only that he preferred his father's possessions to his father's company, but that he had no regard for his father's presence in his life whatsoever. And so Jesus says that the father gave the son what he asked for. He divided the inheritance amongst them and gave the younger son his share. And the story goes that not many days later, meaning really quickly, he took all of his things, gathered all his things, gathered all his possessions, and he went to a faraway country, away from his family, away from his father, away from any accountability to live it up. And there he, he spent his resources in prodigal living. Meaning he was reckless. I mean, he was, he, he, he was living it up. He was like Mike Tyson in the 90s, right? He was buying tigers. He was just like giving people BMWs. And he was just living a promiscuous life, promiscuous parties. He was living it up, man. The lifestyle of a playboy until the money ran out. Just like Mike Tyson. The money ran out. And there was a famine in the land, and he had to get himself a job. Now, as, as the story goes, Jesus shares that he got a job, but he didn't get any job. He got the lowest of jobs that he could possibly get. He got, like, the worst job for a Jewish young man. He was working with pigs. And if you know anything about Jewish culture, pigs are unclean you're not supposed to touch him or be with them or eat him pigs are no you, you don't you don't you don't mess with pigs and he was not only working with pigs he was feeding pigs he was serving pigs and his 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 lot got so bad that scripture says that he was so hungry, he wanted the food the pigs had. Now imagine how low that must have felt for him. Not only is he working with these unclean animals, not only is he being, uh, having, being humiliated to the point of serving pigs, but he can't even have the food that the pigs are eating. The pigs have food to eat, and he doesn't. That's, that's I mean, if you talk about rock bottom, this is a picture of rock bottom well he had a revelation he was humbled and he thought what am i doing in my father's house even the servants even the employees eat better than than i eat even even the servants they have plenty of food but i've messed up I've messed up so badly, I can't go back as a son. I can't. I have severed my relationship with my father. My sin was too great. So I must humble myself. I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to tell my father I'm not worthy. And I'm going to, to tell him and ask him to receive me as his servant. Maybe if I, if I plead with him and I humble myself, he will hire me. 
and I will live better as a servant of my father than what I'm, how I'm living now. I won't be hungry anymore. So he rehearsed his speech. And I imagine that he went back home rehearsing that speech and hoping to see his father, hoping for a little bit of mercy. He knew he didn't deserve it. And as he was walking home, the father saw him from a long distance. And when the father saw him, he ran to his son and he hugged him. And the father embraced him and kissed him. And so the son, overcome by his father's love, begins his little speech that he had rehearsed, that he prepared. And this is where we pick up on the scripture, Luke chapter 15, verse 21. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father stops him. I don't want to hear. I don't want to hear that. He says, he said to his, funder, quick, to his servants, the father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe and put on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate for this son of mine. He was dead and now he's alive again. He was lost and now he's found. So they began to celebrate. Now, in the past weeks, we stopped right here, but the story continues. And this is the part that we're going to focus on today. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. Remember, there were two of them. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of, one of the servants and asked him, what's going on? Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he, he, he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and he refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, who has squandered your property with prostitutes, comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. You're honoring this undeserving son of yours. Listen, if you, if you see yourself in the life of the prodigal son today, if you see yourself in the life of the son who ran away and did his thing and repented and came back to the father you need to know that god's love for you is like the love of that father maybe you didn't have a good father on earth but your heavenly father loves you like this father jesus was painting a picture of god in heaven and his love for the sinner and so if you have faced that in your life god loves you he wants you back home he's ready to restore you to bless you, to celebrate with you. And you might be here today just trying to solve a problem. Like the, the, like the, the young son, just, I just want some food. I don't need to be a son again. I don't need, I, I just, 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 just solve my problem, God. I got to tell you, God just, he, does, he, doesn't want to, he doesn't want to just solve your problem. He wants to have a relationship with you. He wants you as a son, as a daughter. 
He's not trying to make sure you just don't perish. He wants to give you everlasting life, abundant life. He has more for you. See, the father in the story, he made his son heir again. He didn't take him in as a servant. Put a ring on his finger. Put a robe on him. Give him sandals for his feet. Because he's my son. And that's the way God sees you. doesn't care what you've been. You're his daughter. You're his son. But the truth is that we're not all prodigals. We're not all like the younger son. And sometimes there are seasons when we all act like the, the, the older son. You see, there are seasons when we are all like the younger son. We all want to leave. We all want to party up. But there are seasons when we're all like the older son. And what do you do when God blesses someone else ahead of you, even though they did not deserve it? Is it fair that they would cut in line and receive a blessing ahead of you? Is it fair that they should get so much attention? Is it fair that God would bless them so much? What do you do with the jealousy and the anger that sometimes arises when you see other people do well? When it doesn't feel right. What about me, God? That's the title of the message, by the way. What about me? I'm doing my part. I'm fulfilling my duty. I'm doing the things. Doesn't the Father see me? Doesn't God see me? Doesn't He care? There are three things I want to highlight from this story today, from this part that we're studying today, that I believe will bless you and, and answer some of those questions. The first thing is this, very simply. Sometimes we get so enthralled with our own work that we forget the point. We forget the point. Sometimes it's easy to think systematically, right? If I do my part, I get the thing. If I do the chores, I get the allowance. If I do my part, if I do the job, I get the reward. If I sow the seed, I get the fruit. And, and things do work like that. There's a, there's a law of sowing and reaping. But in the kingdom of God, systems serve purpose. Always. There is a purpose that's higher than the system. And, and the system, that it serves a purpose. You might not be a systematic person, but there's got to be a way for things to happen, right? So if I pray the prayer, I should get the blessing. The older brother, brother, he was so accustomed and so consumed by his own work that he developed his own version of righteousness. And in his mind, you're righteous if you do like I do. You're right if you live like I live. And there's only one way of redemption is through the kind of work that I do. So no, he wasn't glad. He was furious when the brother returned. Because he is the one working the fields. And now his brother is going to be an heir of the work that he put in. How is that fair? How could there be a party? How could this guy be allowed back? 
How could, he, how could he be forgiven? He's not devoted to the work. He's not doing the right thing. He's not like me. The older brother forgot the point. And we too sometimes forget the point. Have you ever felt so self-righteous? You don't have to raise your hand. Just raise your hand in your heart to God, okay? It's like, oh. Have you ever felt so self-righteous that you, that you, you couldn't love your neighbor? It kept you from loving your neighbor. You're so self-righteous in your own reasoning that you could not love the person. You were so right, so holy, so pure that you were appalled that someone would have the audacity to be so filthy and then just walk in and receive forgiveness like it's nothing. And just be forgiven. No. They don't deserve forgiveness. They deserve punishment. They need to pay. You know, this is, this is a safe place. You can be honest with God. I can tell you. I've had people in my family who have bad-mouthed my dad, turned their back on him, betrayed him. And I'm like, mm, I want to see what, how this is going to turn around. And they, they come back and my dad just like, oh, come on in. Like, how? It's not okay. And your outrage gets so right that you can't see how you yourself are wrong. Are you forgetting the point? Wow, you're, you're embedded in self-righteousness. And by the way, just a sidebar here. I feel like every political discussion today is like this. I'm right. You're wrong. You're always going to be stupid. And I'm always going to be smart. So there's no point in discussing except exchanging insults. Close sidebar. Not going to go there anymore. How could my brother get a party? He has lived a life of sin. And I'm here serving my father like a slave. It's not right. How many times do we think like that? Like the person shouldn't be blessed. And this brings me to my second observation and highlight. And it's this. What we need to understand is that sin brings its own punishment. God brings the healing. Okay? God doesn't bring the punishment. Sin brings the punishment. And sometimes it's inevitable. Even when we forget, even when we, when we uh, uh, repent, even when we come to God and we ask for forgiveness, you can't, you can't flee from the punishment that sin brings, man. And so God is trying to bring healing. And the consequences of sin are evident. And sometimes they're surprised when people come to God from a terrible past, past, decisions that they made, that they're responsible for. And then it's almost like all of a sudden they begin to get blessed. Things begin to happen for them. They get the job. They get the promotion. They get the car. They get the house. They get everything. Everything's just like they find a person. And you're like, my God, what's happening? Let me give you a window into my life, all right? Let me get personal with you for a moment. Because I am not the prodigal son. I'm not. In this story, I've never been the prodigal because I've never left. I'm the kid who never left, right? 
I never left my home. I've always honored my parents. I have a great relationship with them. I've always loved them. We've always had a great relationship. I never let, left the church because I didn't like it. Eh. I don't like it. They offended me. I don't agree with that. <laughs> if you want a church that you always agree with, lock yourself in a, in a, in a, in a closet, okay? And just buy an echo machine. <laughs> it's called an echo chamber. It's trying to make a joke out of it. <laughs> because I don't know. This is me. I'm talking to myself now, okay? I'm not talking to you, so don't feel attacked. But you cannot be in a community thinking, I need to agree with everything. What kind of God do you serve that he always agrees with you? Like the Bible has always to agree with you, so you're the center of righteousness, right? So I never left, because if I don't agree, that means i got to figure something out. And the church I grew up in, now it's easier because my dad was the pastor. But the only reason why we left is because we got called to Houston, Texas. And so at the moment we got to Houston, Texas, the first prayer, the first realization we had is we've got to find a church home. And we found a church home before we even found an apartment to live in. We were still at a hotel in Houston, Texas, and we're like, this is our church. God just led us to our church. Great church in Houston, Lakewood Church. We love him. And for the 10 plus years that we spent in Houston, Texas, I never visited another church except for two times when a friend of, of my wife's invited us to go and we promised we would go and then there was a christening for another uh, person that she worked with that was Catholic was a friend and we went to the christening on a Sunday the only two times I'm the kid who never left I just don't get it like I, in my mind and I'm basically confessing my mind to you right <laughs> I just I, I it doesn't fit in my head how those things sometimes happen I've never missed a Sunday when we were in town. And we rarely traveled. We never stayed home on a Sunday morning. Like, oh, I had a late Saturday night. I'm just going to kick and, and sit. And it's like, I, I couldn't fit in my mind to have a great time for myself and give God nothing. It just didn't never fit my, my mind to do that. To just feel lazy on a Sunday morning. Or like, I just want to have a time for myself. It just never fit my head. Like, I'm sorry. <laughs> I know some of you do that, and I love you. Don't feel judged because I've learned to walk in grace. So when you tell me, like, I was really tired. I didn't come on Sunday morning. I'm like, I love you so much. But in the back of my head, I'm like, I don't get it. I'm sorry. I don't get it. I've always served in church. From the age of five years old is when I started serving. I used to do the lyrics. And back in those days, we used to have the retro projector with the transparencies. I could barely read, okay? But I was the kid doing the words. And I knew what the chorus was. And, and so from the age of five, I've always had a role in the church, always. When we moved to Houston, that was the first thing I did. I filled in an application as soon as I could, and I served in the church. Because I, I just, that's, that's, that's how you serve God, man. I've always had a role in church. Alini, too, the same thing. The moment we got, we, we, we got married. And I'm telling you this. Now, because, of course, the court in, 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 the, in, the, in the progress of the years, I used to be way harsher 
in my, in my judgment of people, like the, younger, like the older brother. But in the, in the progress of the years, God has softened my heart and gave me grace and love. And so if you're here and, and all you can do is show up on a Sunday, man, we love you. If you're watching online, we love you. We, we want you here. We'd rather you be here than anywhere else because we know that God is breathing his life into your spirit, encouraging you, strengthening you, and, right? So your pastor loves you, okay? But I'm sharing this with you to let you know that I have seen my share of people who are not as dedicated as I am, and I'm not saying this with any kind of superiority or entitlement. It's just, I'm just speaking objectively. I've seen my share of people who are not as dedicated as I am, who are more selfish than I am, and who are not as devoted as I am, receive the blessings that I wanted and was praying for. And when you're in that moment, it's hard. Because I remember early in our marriage, I would ask God, why? Why? Why would you have us go through the road less traveled? Why is our path a little bit more difficult? Why couldn't I be the guy who left the church, lived a wild life, just, you know, just spend it all, and then had this amazing encounter with Christ, and then I have a testimony that everybody can connect to and be like, yes! And then you just have this, this story that you can tell people that is, can I say sexy in church? <laughs> it's just attractive, you know? It's a story that like, oh, everybody's like, whoa, have you heard his transformation? Oh my God, he was so terrible, and now he's amazing. I don't have that. I don't have that. And I remember back then, you know, God speaking to my heart. In those early days. And God's saying, Jesus, uh, JD, almost. <laughs> God got confused. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. God's saying, JD, your parents always loved you. You were never rejected. You know, you found the woman of your dreams at 17, really at eight, but at 17, you realized. <laughs> She was the woman of your dreams. You got to marry the woman of your dreams at 19 years old. You, know, you never had a medical emergency. You've always been in good health. You've always had food in your pantry. You were never abused. You were never violated. Nobody ever used you as an object. You were never beaten. You were never punched in the face. You were never fired from a job. You were, never, you were never once alone in your life. I've been with you. You've been surrounded by people. But your friend, the person that you're comparing yourself to, the person that you're tempted to be jealous of, they've been broken by sin, suffered. They've suffered things that you could not imagine. And they've dealt with the fruit of sin. And so I've blessed them so I could heal them. I've blessed them so that they could know the love of the Father that you have always had. There's a passage in Proverbs that says that the blessing, the blessing of the Lord brings wealth. 
and it adds no sorrow with it. And that's what God has for his people. And so I began to say, thank you, Lord. Thank you for being with me. And from that moment on, I, I'm so grateful. Because the, 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 the attractive testimony, that was my grandfather's story. He lived a terrible life. His life was, was damaged by sin beyond repair. He was kicked out of his house when he was young. And then he found Christ in a crusade from American missionaries, by the way. And he came to Christ. And from that point on, my life was changed. I wasn't even in this world. We're talking 1940s. And my life was changed when my grandfather gave his life to Christ. Because that changed my parents' lives. And I was brought up in a Christian home dedicated to the Lord. So I'll tell you, maybe my story doesn't relate with your story. But my prayer is that your children may relate to my life. That they may grow up to know God like I know God. And I say this in humility. That they may love the Lord and that we all may love the Lord. And live a life where the Lord has been with them from the time of their childhood. You know, the father replies to the son. The older son complained. And he was indignant. And this was the father's reply. Luke chapter 15, verses 31 and 32. He said, my son, the father said, you are always with me. And everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate. And we had to be glad because this brother of yours was dead. And now he's alive again. He was lost. And now he's found. See, all you can see is what he's done. But I'm telling you right now, he's restored. Right now, he's been delivered. And that's what Jesus is trying, was trying to communicate to those religious leaders. You, you call them sinners. I call them redeemed. And here's my last point for today. A brother is better than a blessing. See, what, what, what the brother was feeling was jealousy. And we all have to keep jealousy abased. We all have to keep a check on our hearts when it comes to jealousy. Especially in our, in our materialistic world where we value things so much. Because jealousy keeps the score. You can't be jealous without keep, keeping the score. And the problem with jealousy is that it, it, it changes the value system of how you keep the score. All of, all of a sudden, you forget how blessed you are. All of a sudden, you forget how God has been good to you. And that's what the father was reminding the older son. He said, listen, you're always with me. That's why you didn't live like your brother. Don't think that you're so righteous. You're, you were spared of a life of sin and a life, a destruct, destructive life because you're with me. And all that I have is yours. And that's God's message for us today. So when jealousy tries to keep the score, we have to remember that love forgives all things. Love forgives all things. And thank God that God saves. 
Thank God for salvation. Thank God that he is here. Thank God that she is here. Thank God that they have repented. Thank God that they have turned their backs on their sins. Thank God that they are no longer addicted, no longer a thief, no longer a gossip, no longer a prodigal son. Thank God that he has restored them. So let me encourage you today to celebrate the person. A brother, a sister is more valuable than a blessing. Let's celebrate salvation. Let's celebrate forgiveness. And guide people to the presence of the Father. Because all things and all blessing cannot compare to having a brother, to having a sister, to having a friend, to being part of the community of believers, to being saved, transformed, to finding our way back home. So let me encourage you today to be bold in prayer. Continue to present God with your desires. and May we be bold in prayer so that every prodigal may come back home. So that our brothers and sisters who are still out there wondering where they can be fed, where they can find peace, where they can get away from, from their troubles. May we be bold in prayer to see them come back home. And may we be committed, committed to the work. But even more, above the work, may we be committed to the Father's love and be transformed by it every day because God's love is the one thing that can do what no man can do. Do you receive it this morning? Thank you for listening today. If you have a prayer request, a question about faith, or would like to find out more information, visit us at connectcommunity.org. Don't forget to subscribe and share. See you next time.